Ever since sin entered this world, it's been very, very difficult and trying and painful to be a human being. All goes back to sin and how sin has poisoned all of us and all of our relationships and our body and the earth and everything. And you ever ask yourself a question like, like how come I ha- keep having pain, keep having suffering, keep having hard things? Uh, when will it ever end? Have you ever asked yourself that question? I have. And, and, and if you understand God's story and the redemption story, there will be an end and we, there's victory on the other side of that. And the key is make sure you have your having a relationship with Jesus Christ that will help you through the pain and difficulties that, that affects every person, every human being. You're either going to go through those trials with God or you're going to go through them alone if you don't have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. So I beg, plead, exhort you to have a relationship, personal relationship with Christ. Not church attendance, not religion, not tradition, a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. So you've had some challenges and it's been challenging for all of us. But these last 10 days, it's kind of hit me hard. It's been difficult to focus and study and all that. We had a long time. A church member here by the name of Chris Cornish, um, with his underlying health issues, combine that with COVID, um, God healed him, but he healed him by taking him home to heaven this week. And, and to be with the, the, Pam, his wife, uh, last Sunday, I was talking with her in the lobby, and he started to finally take some baby steps in the right direction, and, and then his heart just stopped. And to pray for Pam, and his daughter Alyssa just got engaged, and and his son, um, it's just, just pray for them. About 10 days ago, I, I get a text from Nash. He's our interim worship leader. And he said, I, I, he, I got COVID, um, fever, pain, and, and all that. And it hit him hard. Hit his whole family, but hit him really hard. And, and what happened also, he, he also experienced a very rare symptom of COVID hitting him. His entire mouth was filled with sores painful sores, couldn't talk, painful, brought tears to, to drink, to eat, to swallow. And uh, thankfully, I got a, a great long update text with it from him yesterday. He's finally turned the corners, the fever is broken, not coming back, and the medicine for his mouth just now is starting to take place. And he goes, I talked for the first time in four days. And so pray for his strength. Uh, he hasn't been with us last couple a couple of weeks. I told him to... Make sure you take your time and recover so you don't back, go back home because you got sick again. So, which is hard for him to stay away. So pray for Nash and his family. About the same time I heard from Nash on the phone with my mom. A lot of people almost every week ask me about my mom. Um, her uh, battle with cancer. Um, and the doctor said just this past week uh, that the COVID, I mean the, the chemo to attack the cancer is no longer working. She asked, what that, does that mean? And he said, uh, th- three to six months. And so I pray for my family and all that I'm dealing with. And I'm, I'm not like anybody else. But a lot of you ask about my mom. So I wanted to share that with you. But thankfully, my mom has hope because she has Jesus. And I have hope because I have Jesus. Do you have Jesus? Last week we started the series going through the book of Revelation, escaping the coming Apocalypse, and if you have a relationship with Jesus, you will escape it. 
But last Sunday, we kind of set the first scene. The first scene is this, that the scene is set, warnings are given, the churches in the church age for chapters, one, chapters two and three. But God's patience has come to an end. When, when all of what has been promised and is going to be revealed, that's what Revelation is, when it happens, it's a sign God's patience is not coming to an end, it is over, it is done for all the wickedness, for all the evil, for all the injustice, for all the innocent people hurt, violated, murdered, all that is finally gonna be taken care of. And we're gonna, we're gonna really begin that next Sunday, but there is a scene that is super, super passionate and descriptive today. But to set it up, we've often seen movies that at the beginning of the movie, they show some scenes of what happened in the past that helps you understand the movie, especially what's gonna happen at the end of a movie. And so we got kind of a little foreshadowing. This was what happened in the past. It makes sense at the end of the movie. The end of this movie, this story, God's redemptive story is revelation, but there's things that happened in the past in the previous 65 books of the Bible that let us know what is going to take place. So if we understand some of those, the book of Revelation makes a little more sense. So the, what's happening here is that there's coming an end to an age. And at the end of that age, there is a new age and a forever age coming. But the end of the age must happen and things must take place for that age and the period of time to be completed. But the promise of Jesus before he went back to heaven, he says to his followers, I want you to you know, help people meet and know and follow Jesus, but I want to encourage you that I will be with you all the way through to the end of the age. And then his age, his kingdom age starts. Jesus gave a hint of this in, in uh, Luke 21, parallel passage to Matthew 24, is about future prophecies, Luke 21, Jesus said this, they, talking about the Jewish people, the Jewish nation, they will fall by the sword and will be taken as prisoners to all the nations. Jerusalem will be trampled on by the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles or the age of the Gentiles are fulfilled. I'll come back to that. Jesus predicted that there's coming a time when the nation of Israel will be scattered all over the world. He's just repeating a prophecy from the book of Ezekiel that because of the nation of Israel's their idolatry and rebellious hearts, God at one point is going to just scatter them around the world. This took place, this was fulfilled in 70 AD when Rome came in just slammed the nation of Israel, killed millions, uh, made slaves out of the rest, killed the priest and, the, and the, the destroyed the temple like we talked about last week, and they scattered in fulfillment of the prophecy. That took place. That took place. But he says the, this is going to happen. Jerusalem will be controlled and really be trampled on, disrespected, you know, spat upon, until the time or the age of the Gentiles has been fulfilled. Well, what, that's a prophecy. Where, where does this come from? In the book of Daniel, chapter 2, is the prophecy about the time of the Gentiles, the age of the Gentiles. Daniel's in Babylon. 
and King Nebuchadnezzar has a crazy dream. He brings in people and says, tell me the dream and tell me the meaning. And they said, well, just tell us what the dream was and we'll tell you what the meaning is. Meaning is. He goes, no, you need to tell me what the dream was and the interpretation or I'll kill you all. Daniel hears about it, inquires of the Lord, God tells him what the dream was and what it meant. And in, in Daniel chapter two, he saw this massive statue, a head of gold, and you know, then it's silver and bronze and iron and, and, and mix of iron and clay. And he says to, to King Nebuchadnezzar, there's gonna be empires and powers of the world and you're the head, Babylon's the head. And then there's a, there's a kingdom coming after that. And that's, that's the silver. And that we would know that Greek, um, Persia. Persia followed uh, Babylon. Then after that, the, the waste, waste area was, was bronze. Well, that was Greece. They followed Persia. Then after that, the legs of iron, strong, powerful. That was Rome. And then at the end, it says there's going to be a, the feet, the toes. going to be a mixture of iron and clay, strength but weakness, combination. And this says, and then that's, that's gonna be like a number of, of nations, kingdoms, empires, powers, a combination that are strong but weak. And then in the dream, this massive stone, huge stone comes out of heaven, crashes at the feet of this statue, destroys the statue. And Daniel said that is the coming kingdom of God that will destroy all human governments and that kingdom will last forever. So the end of the Gentile reign, the end of the age of the Gentiles really started in Babylon and will continue. And when that ends, God's kingdom destroys all human powers and sets up his forever kingdom. Now, I hope I didn't lose you, class, but I'm trying to give you all that information to know something's happening, something is coming, and Revelations 4 and 5, where we're going to be today, is setting the theater, setting the stage about what is going to happen to end the age of the Gentiles. Now, the, prop, the challenge is, written a long time ago, that there was no nation of Israel, they're scattered. There's all these different empires who've been in charge of Israel. But Ezekiel said, it prophesied that the nation would be scattered, but also in Ezekiel chapter 11, it says that there'd be another prophecy and it's this. This is what the sovereign Lord says. I will gather you, nation of Israel, I will gather you from the nations and bring you back from the countries where you have been scattered and I, will give you back the land of Israel again. That's prophesied a long time ago, but was finally fulfilled on, Mar on May 14th, 1948, when the nation of Israel began again. That was fulfilled. That's why in the Revelation, there's a nation of Israel still being trampled on by, by Gentiles, still being mocked and disrespected and used and abused. But there's going to be a change, and it's coming. So today, the scene in chapters 4 and 5 is, is John is really going to describe a, a, really a dramatic experience that he had in the throne room of God. Very dramatic. 
experience in the throne room of, room of God. So I'm gonna answer, I'm gonna read chapter four, answer some questions before we dive into chapter five. So join me in chapter four if you have a Bible or not, look on the, the, the screen below me. Verse one, after this, after really the church age, I looked and all the prophecies there, John says, I looked and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I had heard, I first heard speaking to me like, we talked about that last Sunday, like means I'm trying my best humanly possible to describe what I'm seeing and hearing. He goes, it was like a trumpet, meaning loud. Come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. And once I was in the spirit, there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had, trying to describe it, had the appearance of jasper and ruby. A rainbow shone, shone like an emerald and circled the throne. Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones and seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white. They had crowns of gold on their head. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumbling and, and peals of thunder. In the front of the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. Also in the front of the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass clear as crystal. In the center around the throne were four living creatures and they were covered with eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third was like the face of a man. The fourth was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under the wings. Day and night, they never stopped saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures gave glory, honor, and thanks to him who's, who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fell, uh, fall down before him who sit on the throne and worship him who, who, who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things. And by your will, they were created and have their being. Now let me explain who's there. Who is there? First of all, most importantly, who is in the throne room is none other but the Lord God Almighty. The Lord God Almighty. Now, in the New Testament, when it comes to describing the most difficult theological doctrine for human beings, it's the Trinity. There's one God, but with one God, there's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Our human brains have a hard time with that. One entity, one God. But in the New Testament is God the Father. That's the title that he's often used. Jesus prayed to my Father who art in heaven, right? Constantly in the New Testament, God the Father. Then there's the Son, Jesus, then the Holy Spirit. In the book of Revelation, chapter one, chapter one, verse six, is the only time he is referred to as father. The only time, the rest of the time in this Revelation book, he is referred to as Lord or God or Almighty 
or God Almighty, but in verse 8, he is the Lord God Almighty. He's on the throne. Something's coming. And it's the Lord God Almighty in the presence, in the th- throne room. Then we see the other, other entity there is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, verse 2, talked about the Spirit. Verse 5, the spirits, the seven spirits of God. Last week, talked the meaning of seven. means completion, 100%. 100% of the Holy Spirit is there, there in this scene in the, in the throne room of God. Which tells me, which confirms to me, that second, second Thessalonians talked about the Holy Spirit holding back evil and wickedness. There's coming a day where he will be removed. And all of the evil and wickedness, like a dam, is, has, has broken and floods the earth. That's coming in the tribulation. But the Holy Spirit is removed. That tells me also that the church has left because the Holy Spirit indwells every believer. So he's 100% in heaven. It tells me that the, the, the church is there as well. Then there's 24 elders. Who are they? Well, in the New Testament, elders is always referred to human leaders of God's people, of God's church. 24 elders of all the Bible. Every time we're taken into the throne room of God, this is the very first time that elders are mentioned at the throne of God. The, the, they, they're wearing white Robes, which of righteousness means, means salvation. They've been saved. A lot of scholars believe that these 24 elders represent the human leadership of the church for Jesus. And they're represented, representing all believers who have been covered in the righteousness of God, who have been saved by Jesus, that they're there. Represented also that the Holy Spirit's there, and I believe believers are there. And these are the 24 representatives. Then there's also, who, who are these freaky four living creatures? I don't know about you, but I read eyes everywhere, and it's like, he's like trying his best. It looks like the face of this and that and this and that. These four creatures are the same living creatures in Ezekiel chapter 1. And they're doing the same thing in Ezekiel chapter 1 that they're doing in Revelations 4. They're worshiping God, giving him praise and glory and honor, calling him holy, holy, holy. These four living creatures are representative of God's handiwork of creation. God has a covenant with creation. And in 1 Corinthians, it talks about how even creation is groaning under the bondage of sin. You and I are affected of sin. Animals are affected by sin. The earth is affected by sin. And they're crying out to be released. That will take place when the new kingdom of God starts. This earth needs to be cleansed. These four living creatures, many believe that they represent God's covenant with creation and they're there to give God glory. If you look at the Psalms, a lot of Psalms about creation crying out in praise to God. The heavens declare the glory of God. They're all there in the throne room. There's a dramatic experience. There's like something's coming. People are gathered. Something's about to happen. The crescendo of anticipation is all there. And we begin chapter 5. 
Read a couple verses. Then John said, then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne, that is the Lord God Almighty. I saw in his hand a throne, a scroll, a scroll with writings on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? Probably repeated it a number of times. Verse three, but no one in heaven and on earth and under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside. It had an effect on John. He says this, I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Who is worthy? Couldn't find anybody. He's crying. So what is the scroll? And what does it mean? Well, here's where, if you, as you learn in Bible study, it is, is not only are hints given in the passage often or in the previous passage, the previous scriptures, but also we got to understand the context, the cultural context in which something was written. This was written in the reign of Rome and the first century believers who John shared this with, they completely understood what a scroll was, what the writing meant, and the seven seals. They knew. Well, what, is it? what was it? I'm glad you asked that question. A Roman will was put into a scroll and sealed with seven seals. A Roman will. The only one who could open the Roman will was the heir, the rightful heir. So here in, in the throne of God is the Lord God Almighty, meaning he has all power. He could open it, but he's not the heir. In a, in a Roman will, there's writing on the inside and they would roll it up and seal it. And then if there was writing on the outside, meaning there's writing on both sides, that was a significant meaning. If there was writing on the outside, it meant nothing inside this will shall ever be changed. It is impossible to change it. And what was decreed in the will is going to happen and it cannot be stopped. This is a will. It is sealed with seven seals, writing on the inside and outside. Only the air can open it. Whatever's in that, that scroll is going to happen. Nothing can stop it. The scroll, what, what, what happens? I'll give you a little sneak preview of where we're going. Coming attraction, right? Is the end of the age of the Gentiles. That there's coming an end to the Gentiles and there's gonna, after the end of the Gentile era and time, the kingdom of God is going to start. Nothing is going to stop the end of the Gentile reign. And the mockery that they have of Jerusalem. It also, the scroll, as we're going to start next week, is the coming judgment of God. Remember, his patience is done. 
and, and we're just waiting for the right person who's worthy to open the scroll and the judgments will begin and the judgments will not stop. They cannot be changed. And the judgment is of all evil from all mankind and all evil and wickedness and injustice and, and innocent people, you know, getting punished. And there's, where's the justice? Where's the justice? And this earth has been crying out for justice for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. We get a little taste of it now and then, but it's never final. It's never full. This judgment of God is not only on evil, but the judgment of God is on uh, because of all the blaspheming about God and who he is and there is no God and, and, and blaspheming God and, and the son of God and, and the plan of God. It's blaspheming the word of God and we're gonna ban it, we're gonna burn it, we're gonna mock people who follow it. We're gonna also the blaspheme the people of God who follow God's word. Judgment's coming for all who have blasphemed from all of time. And also this scroll is setting the stage for the final and forever judgment and damnation on Satan himself. The father of lies, the deceiver of billions of people who takes God's word and twists it, who deceives people to blame God for their problems and, and all the, the problems that really the root of it is sin. For all the people that he is convinced that there is no God, and he doesn't care about you. That deceiver, that denier of God, that liar, that blasphemer of God and the place of God and the people of God will meet his final end. I don't know about you, I want a massive, massive big screen television that's like for miles and miles and I want to see that sucker be thrown into the pit and never escape ever again. He is the root of all the pain that you and I have gone through all goes back to sin and he lied about the word of God and the truth of God and the love and care of God. And he keeps doing it today. There's a lot coming. But the question is, well, who is worthy to open the scroll? Who is worthy to open the scroll? It's not just like who deserves it. It's, it's in the Greek word, worthy means even, even more intensity. It means who's, who's the appropriate person to open the scroll? Who is deserving to open the scroll? And he is deserving because they are of highest value. Not anyone can open this scroll. Who is worthy? I don't know what you, we, we need someone worthy, worthy and deserving and, and, and of the highest value to finally judge evil and wickedness. Anybody agree with me? I want to make sure you follow me. Just think about slavery, the evil wickedness of taking human beings and putting them in bondage either to do work or have some sick sexual pleasure with them. That is evil. That is disgusting. When will, will judgment take place? Well, we need someone worthy to deal with it and deal with it in totality. We need someone worthy that will take to deal with what, what Satan has spun up for, for centuries and centuries and millennial is taking a beautiful gift called sex for a husband and wife and has become this deviant, disgusted, twisted, hurting people for selfish gain thing. When is that going to finally be judged? Well, we need a worthy judge to take care of it. We need a worthy judge to judge 
witchcraft and the worship of Satan that's going on and it's increasing in our county on this peninsula and, and during the tribulation, it explodes with massive steroids. Who is going to be worthy enough to deal with that? Worship of Satan himself. Who is gonna be worthy enough to finally, I don't know if you get mad, like I get mad, to finally to deal with appropriately and judge fairly, justly, and fully the abuse of children, the abuse of women, the abuse of innocent people. Oh, we get a little taste now and then, but it just seems like it's never enough. It's never final. It keeps happening. Then you start thinking about the killings over the centuries, the killings of innocent people, the killings in battle, people going into battle under the name of God. And these are righteous killings. It's called the Crusades that was never dealt with in totality when we need someone worthy to deal with that. Then you take the 6 million Jews that were killed, tortured, burned to death. Where's the justice? There's even people that deny it even happened. Where's the justice? And then where's the justice finally gonna take place for the killing of innocent babies in the womb at a rate today of 73 million a year worldwide? Their blood is crying out for justice. Who is worthy? Who is worthy to deal with it? Then I did some research a couple of weeks ago from 1700. How many genocides have there been and how many people died because of some sick dictator, someone thirsty for power and domination of people? And since the 1700s, 400 million plus people have been killed and destroyed in genocides. This earth is dripping with blood and evil and wickedness, and no human judge can deal with it. They haven't dealt with it. No politician has haven't dealt with it. They're just making laws for them to get away with things. And it's like crying out for justice, and we need someone worthy, someone qualified to open the seals that begin the judgment on all wickedness and evil. We need a righteous judge who's gonna do the right thing. We need a judge that is so far above human beings, so far above, so separated, so distanced from us human beings, the Bible calls that holy. We need a holy judge, we need a pure judge, we need a just judge, we need a judge who has seen and heard and experienced and witnessed millions and billions destroyed because of evil. So John is in the throne room of God He's like, who is worthy to open that scroll? And he says in verse four that he wept. And he wept because no one was found worthy to open the scroll. I think, I think John's tears could represent the billions of people who've cried. Tears were shed because they looked for justice and couldn't find it. Billions of people who cried themselves to sleep begging God for justice. And they died without ever realizing it. And he wept and he wept because no one was worthy to open that scroll and start it. And then verse five, I have it on the screen. As he's crying, as he's weeping, he says, then one of the elders, one of the elders said to me, do not weep, do not weep. See, the lion of Judah and the root of David has triumphed. He 
is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. The, the, the Lion of Judah, the Root of David, those are representative titles for royalty and divinity. Titles that talked about the divine Messiah that was gonna come, who had the authority based upon who he is and the line of David, he is the one, but he's the one who has, past tense, triumphed, in the past, triumphed. He's one. Well, it's, not, it's more than the human word one. In the Greek, it's so expressive for triumph. It means victorious, but it wasn't just victorious. It's overwhelming superiority. He won in such a powerful, dominant, no questions asked, he won way. He is able to open the scrolls. In verse six, the crescendo builds. He says this, then, John says, then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing in the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. The lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. He has seen everything. And he went and he took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. When he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased for God persons of every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. And then I looked, John said, and heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders in a loud voice they were saying, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is within them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. The four living creatures said, amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. Who is worthy? His name is Jesus. Who is worthy? He is the savior. Who is worthy? He is the divine Messiah that has triumphed over sin and death and that punk Satan when he died on the cross to cover our sins. And he was buried and he conquered all that by rising from the dead. He is, as Hebrew 1, 2 says, he is the heir that God has given everything. God the Father has given everything to. He is worthy to take that scroll. He is worthy to open it as we begin next week. He is worthy to bring righteous judgment on all evil and man mankind that all of us have been crying for. And when the elders saw the entrance of 
Yes, he's the king of kings and lord of lords. Yes, he's the creator of the universe. But he entered symbolically as, as the sacrificial lamb of God. They bowed and they worshiped. Now, we've been singing a song for the last year or so. That some of you don't know the meaning or where it came from. It came from Revelation 5. It came from the throne room experience of God that John wrote down. It answers the question, is, is he worthy? We're going to stand and close the service by answering that question. Would you please stand and let's worship God. Do you feel the world is broken? Do you feel the shadows deepen? But do you know that all the dark won't stop the light from getting through? Do you wish that you could see it all made new? It's all creation groaning Is a new creation coming Is the glory of the Lord To be the light within our midst Is it good that we remind ourselves of this Seen it out. Is anyone worthy? Is anyone whole? Is anyone able to break the seal and open the scroll? The Lion of Judah, who conquered the grave. He is David's root and the Lamb who died to ransom the slave. Is he worthy? Is he worthy of all blessing and honor and glory? Is he worthy of this? Praise the name of Jesus. Does the Father truly love us? Does the Spirit move among us? And does Jesus, our Messiah, hold forever those He loves? And does our God intend to dwell again with us? Is anyone worthy? Is anyone whole? Is anyone able to break the seal and open the scroll? The Lion of Judah, who conquered the grave. He is David's root and the Lamb who died to ransom the slave. From every people and tribe, every nation and tongue. He has made us a kingdom and priests to God.
to reign with the sun. Is he worthy? Is he worthy of all blessing and honor and glory? Is he worthy? Is he worthy? Is he worthy of this? Sing it out. I might have got a little excited. I am. I was at a funeral yesterday. It was a powerful funeral, and I got two more funerals. I got lined up. And it, it, but when a believer dies, it hurts. It still hurts. You talked about that First Thessalonians. We mourn, but not like those who don't have hope. In this, in this funeral, they played a song, and it, it just, and I'm, I'm sitting there, and I'm listening to it, I'm thinking about what's coming for my mom, and I just, I, I got emotional. But the whole song is about, in heaven, there's going to be no scars. You, you won't have any scars anymore, but the only scar will be the scars on Jesus' hands and feet and side, and what he did for us. Next week begins, seal is open, verse 4 is the, the the four horsemen of the apocalypse. And I'm gonna explain at the beginning, if you're in the room or watching, how can a loving God do and allow this? I will explain the why behind that. That is next week. And I'm just gonna tell you, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, trust in Jesus today. Because you don't wanna meet the Jesus coming later. <laughs> He's given you plenty of chances and the grace, he keeps giving grace. Trust in Jesus today. May God bless you. Hope to see lots of you here Friday night for our marriage event. Have a wonderful day. See you next week. <clears throat>